you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message.
everything. Uh, everything speaks. And we talked about preparedness, uh, our preparedness for growth or the lack of preparedness for growth says whether growth is truly important or not. That's why we keep a baptistry full of water and robes and things ready that any time, any day somebody wants to be baptized, we can baptize them in Jesus' name. We want the world to know that we are prepared and expecting revival. Preparedness speaks. The third point was our commitment to ministry involvement. And we talked about our desire, our goal, is for everybody to have an opportunity to be involved in ministry where you are giving back. All of us should not, we should not just be takers, but we should be givers. And so we not only are receiving, but we're finding somebody that we can invest in and that we can grow. So uh, our involvement in small groups, our involvement in Bible studies and change groups, all of the things, they're places for us to be involved and places for us to bring somebody and connect with others that we may help them. You never know when a brother or sister is down, and we should always be trying to reach our family, our friends, our relatives, our neighbors, and minister the strength and help of the Lord to them. Ministry involvement is the culture that we are promoting in the church. The fourth area uh, that we talked about that speaks so loudly is our culture of prayer. And my, my, what a powerful prayer service we had last night. It was the first of its kind. Um, we won't, we, we won't, our prayer services won't always look like that. It just happened to fall just right. But it was done in Zoom fashion where we were connected um, and um, Brother Brian Kinsey was connected. There were about 12 other churches. We, we missed the memo. Uh, we were sent some uh, false information on the time. And uh, as we were starting, they actually were finishing. Brother Brian Kinsey held his church over to pray with us. And, uh, and they had a good group that stayed and prayed. And so we were back and forth with Brother Kinsey and his church praying over us, asking us to pray over them. It was a powerful uh, time of prayer between the two churches and a uh, very, very exciting night. And then after that went, uh, ended, Brother Gentry Jordan stepped up and led us in prayer. Brother Dylan led us in prayer. And then something caught on, and several people were just pulled up from the audience leading in prayer. The Holy Ghost fell. Armando received the Holy Ghost. Miracles started happening. We started praying with people, and God did amazing things. We finally got out of here about a quarter to ten last night, and it was a powerful, powerful time. This is just a portion of the culture of prayer. I was so thrilled to find out that uh, as one of the uh, kind gestures that um, Brother Jason, uh, Brother Jeremy Newcomer, and a whole group um, that Brother Ethan Branson, I, I don't know, Renee, uh, I don't know who all was involved in that, but they went into the two classrooms here um, in Hall 1, and we have been using those for prayer rooms, and so... Uh, they went in, put dimmers on the lights, so we're able to, uh, instead of being all full light or dim or lights off, we can dim lights, control that, and they put sound systems in so that we can have music and control it. It's a great thing, and I thank them for that, just trying to help us have a place to gather in prayer. It's so very important for the church, and we need a prayer room, and uh, we're believing that in our future is going to be 
uh, a prayer room. That's one of our goals. I don't know how we're going to get there, but in Jesus' name, we're going to get there because the culture of prayer is so very important. We want to be known as a praying church, and we are ever developing and training uh, altar workers and prayer warriors to grow. Before we learn how to do anything else, we need to learn to be a prayer warrior. We need to learn to be people of prayer. And uh, that's not only just praying publicly when we're at church, but having a personal prayer life, daily connection with the Lord, that daily prayer from which our strength comes. And so we need that daily connect connection. Last week, we picked up with lesson two. And uh, the fifth thing that stands out in a growth culture is the culture of evangelism. And we talked about how that evangelism is not is evangelism is not a ministry but evangelism is the purpose of every ministry evangelism is the purpose of the church so everything we do is about evangelism and so we are we are working and striving to grow as an evangelistic church reaching out into our community and we talked about what it means to be a multi-ethnic church, um, reaching into different cultures and being an epicenter of different ethnicities that can come together, uh, different languages and also different cultures that come together. But we're not here to celebrate culture, but we're here to unify under one culture, and that is the culture of Christ. That is the culture of the kingdom. So that's why we don't say we're a multicultural. We're going to work on this. We've talked about being multicultural, but we're going to say we're multi-ethnic because we're one culture. That's the culture of the kingdom. That's the culture of Christ, and that's what we're striving for. And then we talked about the sixth thing that stood out, that stands out in a growth culture is that of atmosphere. We talked about praise and worship and the importance of our praise and worship and how our response or lack thereof is setting a tone. It is creating the culture of atmosphere in the church. Our response to preaching and teaching is all creating and developing uh, an atmosphere for, uh, for others to be able to respond in an atmosphere of growth. We talked about the atmosphere of space that is uh, the neatness, cleanliness, keeping the tidiness of the building, the grounds, keeping place together when people come by, that they look and say, look what a nice place that is, what a great, and all of those things speak and create invi inviting atmospheres. And then we talked about the atmosphere of distraction or the atmosphere of reverence. And those two things is where we ended last week talking about an atmosphere of distraction that uh, even well-meaning uh, things that we do can become distraction to somebody. Uh, I was talking to some last week, and they were talking about sitting further back in the church, and they said, no, it didn't. maybe it was Lyric I talked to, said sitting further back in church didn't work for me. She said, i got to be on the front. She said, my ADD kicks in. I'm watching everybody else. She said, i got to get up in the front where I can, where I can focus and hear the word being preached. And so we have to be careful uh, about distracting others that are around us. And so the, the importance of reverence, of understanding this is the house of God, and while we may use it Sunday night for an event center, uh, tonight it's the house of God. 
And so we reverence the house of God and we teach our children to reverence the house of God. And so we reverence preaching and we reverence prayer. We reverence the altar call and, and how we respond and the atmosphere that we create and how important it is. And so that's what we've been talking about over the last two weeks. And tonight we are going to, to pick up talking about creating a personal growth culture a personal growth culture. And so this is lesson three, and so the first two lessons we talked about creating a church culture, and tonight we're going to talk about a personal culture. So tonight you can take it personal. All right, so we're going to talk about taking it personal tonight. Look at your neighbor and say, take it personal. So we're going to shift from the culture of the church to a personal look at what we are doing personally, our personal growth culture. And just as important as it is as a church of what we do and the culture that it is creating, we are creating our personal culture, the environment around us, how people look at us, the, the, the fact of our life, who we are and what we are, is that is being shaped every day of our life. And it is by the way that we the way that we live. How you live is important. And so we are working on how we live because what you do every day shapes the culture of your personal life. So your personal walk with God. This is why that it is so very important. I talked about this for those of you that were part of the Genesis Change Group on Monday night. Uh, already got a little part of this, and I, I already had this plan for tonight, so it may sound redundant. Hang in there a few minutes, we'll move on. But it is so very important for us to develop daily personal connection with God. Our God connection is the most important thing in our relationship with God. If the only time that you focus on God is when you are in church and in the house of God, you will never be able to grow and develop into what God is wanting you to become. It, it, it must be, there must be a daily walk. I, I didn't understand this when I was younger. It took a while for me. I'm a little slow. But eventually I learned the importance of a daily walk, daily communication with God. That's why reading the word daily, it's more than just getting to the end of the year, getting a certificate and recognition for those that read their Bible through. If you're reading your Bible through every year, God bless you. It's a wonderful thing. But you need to be in the word every day. You ought to find time every day. There ought to be no off days to our personal dedication and time with the Lord. The second thing is our personal prayer. We must connect with God in prayer every day. And so that personal connection, so these are habits that we must develop into our life. This takes discipline. Everybody say discipline. Most people who struggle in their relationship with God are struggling in their daily personal connection with God. It is just a fact. People who are in the Word every day and praying every day and taking time to pray the, the word of God and, and listen. We can't always be the one speaking. We must allow God to speak to us. 
And when God speaks to us, he speaks to us through his word. When God speaks, he may speak to you through a sermon, through a message. It may be a word from a prophet. There may be a word from a friend. All of those are wonderful. But no word, no word will ever be spoken to you that is of God that is not in complete alignment with his word. Sometimes we are waiting for God to speak to us through somebody else when he says, I gave you my word and you're not opening and seeing what I've already spoken to you. This is why it is important to get in the word every day. That is the, needs to be the culture of our life. This is the culture that we are trying to create at, at Christian Life Church. It is the culture of daily connection with God. I'm talking about daily prayer, daily in the Word, and daily connection with God through prayer. We're going to be talking about this a lot over the next little while, that daily connection, connecting with God in prayer, connecting with God in His Word, taking time to allow God to speak to you, and writing down what God has spoken into your life, going back, reviewing that, and allowing God to speak into your life. And so we must always be working on developing a closer walk with God. That's the culture, right? So our culture must be a culture of growth. And I want this to settle in. All right, I know my voice can become redundant sometimes and and feel like it just echoes through the room. But I want you to take this to heart. Everything that you do or don't do is developing your personal daily habits. In order, in order to develop habits, it requires discipline until the discipline becomes the habit. When the discipline becomes the habit, then you don't know how to function without it. And so you've got to have it. Those of you who have daily prayer in your life don't know how to function without it. Oh, I thought I'd get a better amen than that. Those of you who have da daily, maybe I don't have anybody in here that I'm, that I'm talking to tonight. I think I can get a better amen than that. I, I believe some of you have daily walk with the Lord. Our daily prayer with the Lord. When we get that daily habit of praying and talking to God, spending time listening to God, reading his word, letting him speak to us, God, what are you saying to me today? What is it that you have to speak to me today? When we allow God to speak to us, creating and developing that habit pattern. If you then have to go a day without it, you, you don't even know how to function when you make that your habit. So we must always understand that we are constantly developing those habits. So in everything we do is, is habit forming, all right? They, food's habit forming. Sugar's habit forming. So I've been doing better. I think I've had like two Cokes in the last three weeks. This place is not hand clap happy tonight, and I'm not happy about it. I was expecting to get an ovation. I mean, I went from like three packs a day to um, just seeing if you're listening out there. Doing it for health purposes, trying to trying to see if I could do better, trying to get trying to get get a little bit healthier, one step at a time. 
I'm not going to wake up one morning and just all of a sudden be thin and healthy and in shape. It's going to take discipline. And so we must establish these spiritual disciplines that we must grow and develop. And we must always be developing them and working toward growing them. Because if you ever let off and go into neutral, you will end up going back into the old habits and putting put it in off. So we must always be growing. If we stop growing, we stop. All right? How many of you know that within you is potential? Eight of you. How many of you know that within you is potential? That's better. Now these are some special eggs tonight I'll have to describe later. This is not a hard-boiled egg. This is a real, genuine egg. If I drop it, we've got a mess to clean up, all right? And I'm handling it very carefully because it is a real, real egg. Inside this egg is the potential for life. I've got three eggs here. And I brought plenty of napkins because I'm not sure how this is going to turn out. But inside this egg is the potential for life. Now, I wasn't there when the hen laid this egg, but I want you to understand something that this egg has the potential for life. So the potential of life and that potential of life has the potential to multiply life. Now, given enough time and the right environment, there is the potential for this egg to break forth and bring life. And that life can be life-sustaining to others. Are you with me? How many of you are with me? All right, so, so the egg has potential, and the potential is life, and given time and what else? Environment, right? Time and environment, because if this egg is taken and placed in the refrigerator and put in the wrong environment, it's never going to produce, right? You got neighbors that got chicken. I'm giving you a little lesson here. So this egg has potential to bring forth life, but environment has a lot to do with whether this egg produces life or lays dormant. Everybody say environment. Everybody say culture. The environment that this egg is in, put in the proper environment, and God so des designed it, that the chicken can come and sit on the egg, and the, the temperature of the body of the chicken happens to be the perfect environment, and they can pull those under them in that nest and it will eventually break forth and bring forth life. 
try to speed up the process of getting the potential that is in this egg out, what happens? It's not going to bring forth life. This is why that along about day, whatever the day is, 28, as this egg begins to, the, the, the chick inside the egg has to begin to break out, and it begins with a peck, just a little pecking on the, the shell of the egg. And before long, it breaks a hole through, and an innocent bystander would look and say, here, let me help that and try to break that shell through and the chicken will not survive. The biddy will die. Because the work and the labor and the effort and the energy and the turmoil that that biddy has to go through to get out of the egg is part of the development process of the potential that is inside the egg. I'm going to try to help somebody tonight to understand. There's a lot of there's a lot of people with great potential, some with more potential than others. But we all have great potential and we we don't understand the power of our potential and the importance of the environment and the blessing of time. Because if we launch before we are ready, you want to know what happens to the potential? <laughs> and it always is messy, isn't it? Because if we launch before we're ready, This is what you get. Now, actually, I don't think this is bad. As a matter of fact, how many of you know this is usable? It's usable. It launched before it was ready, but it's still usable. But it's never going to be what it could have been. You can make a cake out of it. You can make a fried egg sandwich out of it. You can make scrambled eggs out of it. You, you can make, there's a lot of things. You make bread out of it, right? Didn't I already say that? There's a lot you can do with it. It's not bad. It's not wasted. It's just never going to become what it could be. Because it wasn't ready. And instead of giving it time, I tried to see what was inside the egg. And we found out what's inside it. And yes, it's usable and we can all worship and praise God and be thankful about how, how used of God we are. But if we launch before we are ready, we will never 
reach our potential. Listen, waiting is not wasting time. If you are developing, if God is developing you, it is time in the incubator to be what God is asking and calling you to be. This is why you must be careful. You must be careful about trying to rush the growth and the process and the development that God has in your life. I believe that God has places you, he, he places you in an environment where you can grow to full potential. But if you rush what God is doing, this is how you end up. Still usable but never reaching your potential. And some people celebrate their brokenness. And they take on the victim mentality because something happened that broke them. Instead of recognizing that although broken, it could still be used. And then there's those that don't understand the importance of the protection. This is why the culture of being submitted to proper protection is so very important. I still have two eggs here that are full of the same identical potential that the first egg was was full of. The same potential. The same potential. The animal lovers in here may go crazy here in just a minute. I made sure to ask when Lee asked, okay, when I was a kid, I, I had triplets. I knew that. My mom, she she made eggs out of chickens out of the chicken yard, right? I had chickens and roosters, and if I didn't take care of, if I didn't go get the eggs out every day before long, that hen, she laid her eggs, and she would fight me and everything else over coming in trying to get the egg. I, I remember some of those chickens sitting there, and they, they'd peck at you, and they'd squawk at you and carry on. Anybody got chickens in here? Am I telling the truth? Some of them will fight you over it. So you know, you learn you learn how to do it. You go out and put out the feed, get them to go out and get the feed, and then you run in there and grab all the eggs. But if I was gone a few days and I came back, I had to be careful because they'd be already sitting on those eggs, and after a few days, you don't want to take those eggs in your house. Because I've had that happen at times. Does anybody know what I mean? It's not good. made sure that we're not going to have a mishap here tonight, but the egg is put into an environment and there is protection in the nest. There's potential, but it's got to go through the process before it will ever become the life that it could. Once the egg is broken early, it is usable, and it can be used to feed others. But if the egg reaches its full potential, it's not just able to feed others, it's able to produce life that can reproduce life. See, th this is 
the difference. This is how multiplication happens in a child of God. This is for some of you that's been around the church a while. I'm trying to help you, and I'm trying to help you understand tonight that what God is wanting to do is not just use you to feed others. He's wanting you to multiply. And some of the things that you've been through, you've got to go through the process or you're never going to understand multiplication. You're going to understand feeding others, but that's going to be the end of it. But if you'll go through the process to the, and pay the price, you will finally get to the end product of being able to bring forth life that is able to reproduce itself. But late in, late in, the, in the nest, Protecting. There's a lot of people that don't like that. They don't like that protection. They don't like that weight. They don't like that pounding. And so what they fail to understand, I just like to drop that over there. Thank you, brother. What they fail to understand is this is this is the issue. This is the issue. Those of you that have chickens understand. If you've ever tried to hatch your own chickens, you understand what I'm talking about tonight. And if you haven't, I hope you understand before we're done. This isn't really, this is a parable. This is a parable because here's the, here's the issue. Some of, you, some of you may understand what I'm talking about tonight, but there's some people that are not happy with the temperature of the nest. And so they want somebody else to invest in it. They want some, they're looking for somebody else. And what happens with careless leaders is they don't really care because they have no investment. This is why, I, I, let me talk to the, to the ministers and the pastors and the teachers and the, and the leaders in the church tonight and tell you, when God places a precious, fragile egg, parable, when God places a new baby with full potential in your care. When you walk to this pulpit, it is fragile. You can't handle this loosely. If you get too crazy with this egg, it can just... Even if you were awake. But what happens is, is some folks... Some folks come along and they're like, yeah, it's just an egg. No, there's potential and there's life here. No, it's just an egg. And you know what? They don't really care. How many of you know what I just did to the potential of that egg? Anybody know what just happened? Did you see me shake that egg? You know what that means? There's some old timers in here that know what, what just happened. I just destroyed the potential of that egg. That egg just lost its potential because I just handled it carelessly. And I can go around and talk about it. It still looks all right. And I, I handled Well, I'll tell you what I did. I'll tell you how I handled it. Let me tell you, there's something fragile there. Handling the Word of God deceitfully will destroy more people than it helps. This is why the Bible talks about false teachers wolves in sheep's clothing that will come in the last day to try to destroy the flock. Listen, everything, let me talk to everybody in this room right now. Everything, everybody that you come in contact with are not people you need to be saying, oh, invest in me. You want to know why? 
because not everybody cares. Because not everybody has an investment. Not every movie on the shelf you ought to be watching because some of those things, oh, it's godly, it's spiritual. They're making money. Not every book author ought to be read. You know why? They're there making money. They don't care. They don't care about your potential. They don't care that there is a pastor trying to protect you and hold and, 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 and care for you. It looks like the pastor doesn't care. It looks like when the pastor's protecting you that he's trying to harm you. But the truth is the pastor says, I got somebody with potential and I'm going to keep anybody else away. I'm trying to keep everything and everybody and all the other voices. I'm trying to keep away. You know why? Because there's potential in you that can be destroyed if somebody hands you the wrong way. And if you're not careful, somebody will drop you. Somebody you thought cared about you will drop you and walk away and leave you hurt, leave you splattered, and leave you destroyed. And then you're not useful for anything. Because you're damaged. This is why it's so very important to understand the culture of the church and the culture that we create around us must not be a culture that handles people carelessly. But we need to say, I understand there is potential in this baby. I understand the ministry I lead. I understand the opportunity I've been given. I'm no way I'm going to, I'm not, that. It can't end there, and I don't even want it to end there, but I want it to produce what it's capable of producing. But it can only happen if we stay submitted to the culture of the nest that God has put us in. Waiting is not wasting. Waiting may be your development. Let's talk about, let's look at ways that we shape personal culture. The personal, you, you know how people know you? They know you by your words. Colossians chapter 3, and above all things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts unto the Lord whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Our words either heal or wound. Our words have the potential to protect or our words have the potential to destroy. That's why every word that proceeds out of your mouth is so very important. Every word that you speak, listen, 
I recently read an article and learned something that I, I, I always knew that there were other ways of communication through the Genesis process that we use here at the church. They say 80% of communication is nonverbal, 80%. Somebody says, I didn't say that, but your face did. But your attitude did. But your action did. Your friendliness or lack thereof did. Whatever, what people forget what you say, but they don't forget the way they make you feel. I'll never forget the feeling that I had Sunday night when I walked in this building. You spoke to my heart. You, you gave me a feeling that I will cherish and hold on to for the rest of my life. I may not remember every card that was written and every word that was spoken, but I remember how you made me feel. And if you're honest, you will remember certain times how you felt about, you may not remember exactly what it is, but there was something they said that caused you to love them or something they said that caused you to despise them because your words have the potential to heal or to wound. And as influencers, we must want guard our words to the highest degree. One of the greatest powers we hold is the power of our words. You are in control of your words. Outbursts, cursing, Christian cursing. That is filling in the blank with things that, you know what it is. I don't have to go there. One of the greatest powers you hold is your words. You are creating the culture of your life by your words. Proverbs 25 and 11 says it like this. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a cupcake. That's why finding the right moment to speak the right word may be just what that person needs. And the wrong words spoken at the wrong time with the wrong spirit somebody broken and shattered. Let me go further. We deal with more than just verbal words and actions. We also deal with the culture of social media. This is a huge issue in the church. Social media in this culture speaks so loud. It speaks words very loudly. Because as a matter of fact, it gives people a microphone that sometimes don't need a microphone. Just because somebody made it a meme and it sounds cool doesn't mean that it is, it is truth and in alignment with the Word of God. So I'm not concerned with whether or not it sounds cool. I'm concerned with, is it in the Word of God? What you share. I've never known of anybody winning a Facebook argument. Sometimes it's better to be quiet than to be right because your testimony may be better remaining silent instead of attending every fight that you're invited to. And then we deal with passive-aggressive statements that cause people to wonder, is that me 
Is that, is that from church last night? Is that from something the preacher said? Is that from something I said when I spoke to them? Is that what, what's that passive-aggressive statement about? It can heal. We are looking to become a, a growth creator. I want my life to grow people. I want what I say to grow you. I want it to develop you. I want to bless you with my words. I don't want my words to harm and to hurt. I want to bless if I come with correction, I want to come back with a healing salve and a balm of anointing that says, I love you, I care about you, I'm not against you, I'm for you, I'm on your side. So our words are so very important. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are righteous, whatsoever things are good report, Post on these things. I mean, think on these things. Is it the next thing? And I see the time, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to hurry. The next thing that creates that we are creating, the culture we're creating, is our daily walk. Our daily walk. Already talked a little bit about our personal, our personal investment in growth and time with the Lord. This really probably would have fit better under this heading of by our walk. But I'm going a little further than, than this and talking about what people see in us, the way we do business, our word is our word, our bond. It is our daily walk with the Lord and how people view that and see that. Some people say, well, I don't care. I don't care what other people think. You must care what other people think. I believe one of the most powerful verses of Scripture regarding soul winning for a saved child of God is this. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good work. I don't want them to see. The Bible said the world needs to see. I don't do it to be seen, but the Bible says let them see your good works that they may glorify the Father which is in heaven. If you want people to follow you and want to be like you as you follow Christ, you've got to have a reputation with everywhere you go and everything you do that says, I am a child of God. They ought to say there's something different about you. The last time I heard Pastor Brandon preach, he talked about a man at work that said, hey, I noticed something different about you. That ought to be every one of us. They ought to see something different in us. We ought to walk different, talk different, act different. We ought to not be trying to pick a, pick a fight with everybody, fuss with everybody, be hard to get along with. We ought to walk in meekness and godliness and let the fruit of the Spirit guide us. When we walk in our city, in our town, in our community, people, you know what they know about the church? Whatever they know about you. Christian ought to put forth fruit that looks like a Christian. Our works, 
our works bring glory to God. People say, well, we're not saved by works. We're saved by faith. But you can't be saved without works because works, faith without works is dead. And so your works is not what saves you. But you can't have evil works and, and, and claim to live a godly life. A godly life will produce righteous works. And so our works must be, bring glory to God. It takes more than just prayer and faith. It also takes work. Everybody say work. A lazy Christian is not going to produce much in the kingdom of God. It takes work. When it's time to put up tables, that's work. It ought to not be time for us to run out the door. It's work, but this is what we do. We work. We People know us by our works, not just by the job we do. They know us by our works. Our lives can demonstrate the power of God by our passion toward Him and toward His mission or by our indifference toward Him and toward His mission. I've got to hurry. Next is how we deal with leaders. This is an important culture, growth culture. If you, if you are a grower, you have to be, you have to walk in the spirit of forgiveness. Wounds are going to happen. I ought to get an amen out of that. Wounds are going to happen. You're going to be wounded. Hurts are going to happen. How we handle wounds, how we handle hurts is so very important. We must be careful how we handle our wounds. I came out of an incredible Sunday night to be woken up on Monday morning with what felt like an attack. Pastor, I've been at this long enough to learn that you have to walk in the spirit of forgiveness and say, I'm not going to hold on to that. I'm not even going to share that. Somebody came in the other day and I looked and my wife was sitting there when they asked a question about something they saw on my phone about a particular text message. And I said, I don't want to talk about it. And my wife looked at me funny and I said, she doesn't even know about it. She doesn't have to know about everything that came to hurt me and harm me. Why spread it? I don't have to call everybody and share my hurt with everybody. There's times that we need a brother or sister to take our hurt to, but there's times we need to learn how to deal with our wounds. Because if you're going, if you are a grower, if you have the ability to grow people, if you are, if you are creating, I'm talking about creating a growth culture here. If our culture, our personal life, if the culture of our personal life is broken, we're we're we, we respond wrongly to wounds, we will never be able to bless others. Offenses will come. That's what the Bible says. Offenses will come. But a growth culture cannot slow down from the mission to focus on the offense. I may come back and spend some more time on this. I've got to hurry because of time is limited. God cannot entrust anointing and leadership and position to those that are not in control of their attitude. We've got to be keep our attitude in check. On the good days, we need to be level. On the bad days, we need to be level. We can't allow our emotions to control what people know about our daily walk with God. We are in charge of our attitude. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. The spirit or attitude of a man is a candle of the Lord that is searching the inward parts. That means your attitude is telling a whole lot about what's going on on the inside. 
want a growth culture within, we must develop a predisposition about how we are going to deal with hurts. We must be forgiving. People hurt us, it doesn't mean that I can forget it, but you know what, I'm going to forgive it because we've got to work together and go to heaven together. And so although it may not be, they may, may not be doing everything that I like, but I've got to walk in the spirit of forgiveness. As a leader, it is your responsibility. People are going to come into your life, they're going to walk out the door just because we baptize somebody, teach Bible studies to somebody, invest hours into them, and they walk out the door. If we're not careful, we'll start developing the attitude of, I'm just not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to invest in people anymore. I'm going to stop. I'm, I'm not going to care about people anymore. That is, some are going to fall by the wayside. The Bible gives us clear direction. But there's going to be some that are going to be fertile soil, and they're going to grow, and some are going to produce 30, and some 60. But some are going to produce a hundredfold, and they're worth the investment. This attitude is, is influences everything that we do. I'm down to three minutes and three points left, so I've got to really jump through this. Next is by our willingness to be inclusive. I touched on this as a church body, but it is us personally. We can't just expect the church to include others. It's got to be us. We have to let people inside our body. I've got to include them. We're going to dinner, you're included. We're at dinner, you're included. We're going for coffee, you're included. We're getting together as a group, you're included. Nobody is excluded. We need to be an inclusive church and stop saying, I'm waiting for them to line up and do this and do that. You are included. You're part. You want to come, come. You're part. People want to walk in this door. I don't care what culture they come from. I don't care what ideas they had. We'll make a seat for them. I want to get them here, teach them, preach to them, and let God do the rest. Apostle Paul adapted himself to different groups and, it, and different cultures in order to win some. We can't win the hearts of the people of Christ unless we are inclusive. And I close with this. This final point is the culture of walking with wisdom is perhaps the most important culture that we can develop. Walking in wisdom. I told my boys growing up, I've shared this with probably everybody in this church on more than one occasion, that growing up, they were looking for something to read. What about this author and what about that? I would say, go to the book of Proverbs, read the book of Proverbs. Every year. You know what I'd tell them when they were 12? Dad, what, what, what should I read the book of Proverbs? I've already read it 18 times, read it again. After you've read it again, read it again. Commit it to memory. You know why? Because it's wisdom literature. And before you learn about the prophets and before you learn everything else, you need to learn how to walk in the wisdom of God. Because no other spiritual gift will function until the gift of wisdom functions out of us. And when we develop the gift of wisdom, then other gifts will be, begin to grow out of us. But it all comes down to wisdom. A child of God ought to pray first for wisdom. The Bible said if we pray and ask God for wisdom, he will give it. So we have to learn to walk in wisdom. Colossians chapter 4, walk in wisdom toward them 
that are without. Not just those that are in, in of the household of faith, but it talks about even those that are in the world, you, you've still got to walk in wisdom. When you're around people that aren't walking right, you've still got to walk in wisdom. Let your speech, verse number 6, Colossians 4 and 6, let your speech be always with grace. Really? Always? Always. Even when you're walking with those that are without. Same, same, same scripture, same context. Even when you're walking with those that are without. Let your speech always be of grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer everyone through wisdom. When somebody cusses you out, you ought to respond with wisdom, not with retaliation. Somebody mistreats you, you ought to deal with wisdom. Somebody cuts you off in traffic, I'm going to get real with you now. You got to learn to walk in wisdom. When people don't act the way you think you ought to, you've got to walk in wisdom. Until you get wisdom right, you're never going to be able to lead people to Christ. Proverbs chapter 11, the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Without wisdom, you can't even lead people. We must use divine wisdom when working with people. Jesus said, I send you out as sheep among wolves, therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Working with others can be a dangerous situation because they're manipulative. That's what they will show you. And mishandling them can cause them to be broken. And then there's those that will abort their own potential. Rushing what God is trying to do in your life? Are you gambling with your very own future but not being submitted to God in every area of your life? This is the personal culture of grace. We must understand the preciousness and preciousness of the kingdom of God if we want to discern the working of God. Stand with me all over the room. I've gone long tonight. I want you to lift your hands right where you are, and I want you to pray and ask God, Lord, develop within me what I have heard tonight. Speak into my spirit. Speak into my heart right now. Come on, everybody in the room, lift your voice in prayer. Respond unto the Lord right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, let every heart right now, let no, no stone be unturned right now. Lord, I'm speaking from the eldest to the youngest, oh, Lord. We, we must grow in, 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 in the grace and the wisdom of God. We must grow, Lord. We are developing culture, Lord, that we are going to reach the world and reach our world and reach our family and reach those that are around us. Lord, let every person in this room take seriously and deep into their thought what they have heard tonight, Lord. Let us grow in you, Lord. Let there be something spring out of what we have heard tonight. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.